Hundreds of thousands of DTE and Consumers Energy customers are still without power after losing it during last week's ice storm. The dirty laundry, the dishes are stacking up, and for some, the hotel bills are climbing. Day five without power? It's getting old. I say this as a fresh round of freezing rain accumulates on the trees of some parts of Michigan again today. So anxiety is high. How long might Michiganders be in the dark this week? Some lawmakers in Lansing are also asking the question of what is reasonable. Is it reasonable for consumers to expect their power to be off in freezing temperatures for a week? Maybe more? As we know that there are going to be more extreme weather events like this, this is the new normal and we have to prepare for it. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Today, we're going to talk with public officials about whether and how DTE and consumers might come under official scrutiny for the ongoing outages. Senator Mallory McMorrow is a Democrat from Southeast Michigan. She's been hearing from her constituents for days about how the outage has been affecting them. I got an email from um, a resident whose neighbor in their 80s was hospitalized with hypothermia. Another resident has had a live wire um, on fire in their yard for days, making their house uninhabitable. And they've, they've since gone to a hotel um, reporting that the fire department can't do anything until the house actually catches on fire. And Detroit public schools are still out. So it, it, it's running the gamut. It's creating really dangerous situations for people. No question. You wrote on Twitter that the frequency of outages that we now experience in Michigan and the length of these outages is completely unacceptable, in your words. Can you define unacceptable for us? Yeah, we've got, you know, certain areas, and I've, I've had meetings with DTE, who's been very available over years now, who have identified areas in southeast Michigan and in Oakland County and Detroit, where there are, you know, over a dozen outages a year, some for many days. They know that the infrastructure needs improvement. They told me this years ago. Um, but it, it's we, we see a higher frequency of extreme weather, of windstorms, of ice storms, of rain. And it's unacceptable at this point to do the same thing we've always done with this frequency of, of extreme weather events and expect a different result. So what are you proposing? So right after the polar vortex a few years ago, we did have hearings uh, in the state Senate to really get a handle on on what happened. I think a lot of residents are asking questions right now, and I think nobody is doubting how hard the crews are working for restoration. There was such a high number of wires and lines that went down. But I think what we need to understand through this process is are there things like undergrounding in certain areas that we need to pursue? What is the cost for that? And as we have more and more residents who are buying backup generators, investing in whole home generators, losing food, paying for hotel supplies, what can we put in place that is more of a consumer protection to make sure that as we're talking about the costs of upgrading these systems, and we know they're significant, we're also factoring in resident costs as well. I get the sense that these these issues have been brought up to companies like DTE and consumers before. I do wonder, is, is not the Michigan Public Service Commission not in a more immediate position to, to place conditions or pose questions to a utility? I mean, what could the legislature do that wouldn't happen in, say, a rate, a rate hike hearing? 
They absolutely are. And and again, I go back to when I was sitting through uh, the hearings that we had in the wake of the polar vortex a few years ago. It was not only with the utility providers, it was with the MPSC as well to understand their process. Do they need anything from the legislature to strengthen their ability to act as a regulator? Uh, so I think a lot of those questions can be asked in the legislature, but absolutely, you're right. The MPSC is the most immediate body um, that can work on these issues, and we want to make sure that they have the tools to do so. We know, thanks to some reporting from Bridge Detroit, that DTE actually submitted uh, paperwork asking to open another discussion on a rate hike with the MPSC. Do you think that the body that regulates utilities has been rigorous enough with DTE or with consumers, for that matter, on the question of outages? Well, look, I think that we heard from across the board, from the MPSC and from the utilities last term in the Senate, that Michigan is very competitive when it comes to commercial rates for uh, electric utilities. Where we're not competitive is residential rates between the cost, the frequency of the outages, and the cost that residents bear. So I think that has to be something that the MPSC is taking a look at. Anytime we're considering a rate hike, what are residents actually getting for that rate hike? And what is the recourse for a service that residents are paying for that they are not getting? What has leadership said about this? Do you think that, do you think that uh, Winnie Brinks and Joe Tate are, are going to put this among or maybe above some other priorities that they've stated for session? You know, I don't want to speak uh, on behalf of the leaders. I've really focused my time the past few days. I've been in contact with DTE multiple times every single day to try to get some of these individual cases with residents addressed. My focus has been making sure everybody can get through this safely. But my hope moving forward is that this is a priority for us. We've seen legislation across multiple terms now to expand things like rooftop solar, to discuss microgrids, to discuss backups. Uh, and it, it's time that we prioritize that for all of our residents. Do you find that DTE has been responsive to some of the constituent issues that you've been bringing up to them? Uh, somewhere in the back of this, I've got to believe they're not having the best week of, of uh, their staff's lives either. No, they're not. And, and, and I do want to say, you know, those who I've been in contact with have done as much as they possibly can to escalate some of these issues. We've had DTE bringing generators out to residents. We've had um, DTE able to elevate some of the cases we've brought to them when we've had especially vulnerable older residents, especially those with medical equipment that needs to be plugged in or with medical emergencies. So I do want to thank the people that we've been in direct contact. But to your point, it's not making their lives any easier when they are having to respond to a system that's not prepared for this type of outage. Yeah. The power companies contribute a, a fair amount of money to political campaigns and make great efforts in lobbying lawmakers. We also know that some of those lobbying efforts involve, uh, you know, maybe combating the administration's efforts on climate change. Do you think that that will preclude any major changes in what might happen with DTE and consumers or a desire from lawmakers to see that that change doesn't, you know, maybe benefits ratepayers and perhaps not perhaps not those who are stockholders of DTE. Yeah, I, look, I think we have to have very open honest conversations about campaign finance laws in Michigan, about what is allowed. I know speaking for myself and many of my other colleagues, you know, those who donate to my campaign, they don't dictate how I vote. Um, and I'm very confident in, in that my voting record backs that up. But we do have to have a conversation about campaign finance reform and, and how these efforts 
can they be used legally to go back into the system? Or is it, as many PACs are, these are individual donations made by employees that cannot be used for those purposes? But it is a fair question to ask, how is this money being used and to what purpose? When would you hope to have have hearings, uh, perhaps in some of the state Senate's committees? You know, I would hope that it's relatively soon. I've seen some people you know, immediately take to social media and and start going after um, DTE. And that's fair. And I think people's anger is fair and justified. But there's nothing legislatively that we would pass right now that would get people's power back online. So my hope is that it's soon enough that we are still fresh thinking about this outage, thinking about what people went through, but that the focus right now is on making sure that people are safe and that they can get through and get their power restored. Uh, It's maybe worth mentioning that all this is happening when we are smack in the middle of a generational investment in Michigan infrastructure. There were many, many millions of dollars that came to Michigan from the federal government as COVID relief money that has been uh, intended to focus on grid resilience. I just don't know if it's going to come soon enough for this winter. What what can you tell us about the pace at which Michigan is uh, Michigan is upgrading its grid? Absolutely. I think we have to look at how do we accelerate the upgrades that we're doing because again, the frequency of these weather events is only going to increase. We know that that's the case. Last term, even before the bipartisan infrastructure um, bills passed, a number of my colleagues and myself introduced a $1.2 billion climate resiliency infrastructure plan that was exactly about this. How do we build and modify our infrastructure, both in our utilities and our roads and our underground infrastructure, to better withstand flooding, rains, wind? And it's just something we we have to do. It is not a question of if, it's a matter of when, um, and we've got to do it sooner than later. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from the government org that is supposed to ensure safe, reliable, and accessible energy for all Michiganders. That's in a minute. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. So before the break, you might have heard Mallory McMorrow mention the Michigan Public Service Commission. They're the government group that's tasked with managing rates and service quality for investor-owned utilities, a.k.a. private companies like DTE. With this most recent power outage mostly affecting DTE customers, folks are turning to the Public Service Commission for some answers and solutions. So there's there's no silver bullet here. I think we are making some improvements, but but again, for, for the 922,000 folks who lost power uh, since last Wednesday as a result of this most recent ice storm, uh, we clearly have more work to do. That's Dan Scripps. He's chair of the Public Service Commission. The commission's got its work cut out for it. Michigan is ranked relatively high when it comes to the number of power outages and the time it takes to restore power. 
The Citizens Utility Board puts us at fifth in the nation. But Dan says that the state has made some progress over the years. For both of the largest utilities, they saw a 20% reduction in outages in 2022 versus 2021, uh, and also some improvements on how long those outages last. But as the last week has laid bare, we've got a lot more work to do. And so it's everything from grid hardening uh, so that we can withstand the increasingly severe weather uh, that, that we're seeing in Michigan, but also just the the nuts and bolts of things like making sure that we're keeping on pace with tree trimming and vegetation management just to take away the the opportunity for trees to come in, in contact with wires and ultimately lead to outages. I wonder how you characterize what is reasonable as you're thinking and talking to the investor-owned utilities about this. Uh, there are places in Michigan in the past 12 months have spent 10 days without power due to weather-related problems. What What is your expectation uh, for the investor-owned utilities and what they will provide? Yeah, we are actually in the process of tightening up our, our technical standards and service quality rules uh, that the utilities operate under, uh, really sort of trying to limit the amount of time that people stay without power, uh, what is an acceptable level of performance, and also uh, looking at increasing the the amount that folks get in terms of credits when power stays off, uh, tying that to inflation so it keeps pace even as the as time goes on, uh, and maybe most importantly making those credits automatic. Uh, right now, customers have to apply for a credit if they feel that they meet the eligibility criteria. We want to make those automatic and and increase it a little bit. There's small steps, but I think reflective of the frustration that people feel. Uh, and we should have those finalized in the next month. We want to try and take care of, of people as as they're struggling with outages. But the best way to do that is to avoid them altogether or to limit the duration or limit the, the number of multiple outages that too many Michiganders uh, see today. And, and we've done a number of things from uh, approving additional uh, tree trimming that's ring fenced. It can only be used for those specific purposes to last fall initiating some first of their kind comprehensive audits into the utilities distribution systems for both consumers and DTE. It seems like every time we've had a major storm over the last 10 years, and we've had a lot of them, we've done a sort of follow-up order, we've made some recommendations, and then we move on. And we're faced today with a system that's not performing at the level that people deserve and expect. What's the timeline for the audit's results? I hope to have at least some preliminary results by the end of the, the year and then full results uh, in 2023 or 2024. Apologies. We know that DTE has asked for a, a rate increase. Is there anything you can tell us at this time about whether that's something the commission would be disposed toward? I'm not allowed by law to actually discuss contested cases, including rate cases that are, are in front of us. Uh, but in a general sense, I think we're looking at the the amount that is being requested, uh, whether the investments being proposed are reasonable and prudent. I think we're looking at the the opportunity to earn a return on on those investments that's required under law, uh, but what's reasonable in in light of uh, some of the challenges being faced, and then what it's going to take uh, in terms of the level of investment and how to do that most cost effectively. Whether that's leveraging federal funds under the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act or using other mechanisms potentially to, to fund those in more cost-effective ways for customers. The last time DTE was asking for a rate increase, public comment uh, was something that the commission was taking into account. 
for the first time ever, there was a public hearing. Is that something that will be repeated this year? I think we're always looking for opportunities to to get the public more involved in our proceedings. And uh, we are a little bandwidth con- constrained in terms of our ability to be everywhere all the time. But but we're actively looking at the the most impactful ways for the for the public to have their say. I think I'm hearing you say that it's not off the table, but I also didn't hear a definite yes. Would that be a correct characterization? I, there's no definite yes and no definite no, but I, I think it's actively under consideration. Okay. Is there anything else that you would want people to keep in mind, especially those who are still waiting for the lights to come back on? Well, I just encourage folks to continue to be safe. Um, but the biggest challenge in my mind is that we've got a, a grid that's old, uh, that's antiquated in in some ways, uh, and needs to be updated as we see a growth in electric vehicles and potentially electrification of of other end uses and how we keep pace with weather that that is changing at the same time. We're seeing increased severity of storms. We're seeing 50-year storms on a 10-year cycle. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do uh, to make sure that we're keeping pace with with a changing environment as well. Dan Scripps chairs Michigan's Public Service Commission. Dan, thank you for your time. Thanks so much, April. That's the Stateside podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kavansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening, and we hope you're staying warm. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.